In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. If I were making a movie about the Holy Trinity, it would go something like this. I'd have a very simple poster that just said, The Trinity. And underneath, I would have a log line that said, Believe the Mystery, dot, dot, dot. And people would see it at bus stops and billboards, and they would wait for a little more information about the, what this movie, The Trinity, was going to be about. Maybe another poster would pop up around the city that just said, Three in one, are you ready? Or, get ready to believe the impossible. Or my favorite, unity never looked so different. The first act would be about the main character, God, creating all of creation and thinking it was good. But then conflict would emerge between God and creation and creation and creation so that by the end of act one, God would be completely rejected and God would have to save the world, so God comes down as Jesus, but then that adds a whole new set of conflicts, and God as Jesus gets abducted and tortured, and at the end of Act 2, all seems to be lost as Jesus dies on the cross. But Jesus is resurrected in Act 3. And then there's this big dance party montage of the Holy Spirit coming down and everyone is amazed and there are tongues of fire and everybody understands languages and God is reveling in creation. But then that's not the end because there's an ending that leaves you hanging and you just know, oh, there is going to be a sequel and here we are today at the beginning of the sequel. What's going to happen? What's the story about? The story starting today is about the reliance on faith instead of our own reason or the reasonableness of the world. And so why not start with the most confusing part of our faith right from the top, the Trinity. It's Trinity Sunday. Well, why, why do we celebrate the Trinity? It's, not, it's, it's doctrine. It's not in Scripture. It's not something that we witness to in Scripture as a totality like Pentecost or the baptism of Christ, ascension, etc., and after all, don't we celebrate the Trinity every Sunday? Every Sunday we acknowledge God as our creator and Jesus Christ as the one sent by God to redeem all of humanity through the activity of the Holy Spirit. So why set aside a special day for it? We say the Nicene Creed, or here at the 830 service, we say an affirmation of faith every Sunday, which basically outlines our faith as a belief in the three-in-one a perfect unity of the one Godhead. Well, it takes a lot of faith, which is why we have to reaffirm it every Sunday. Harder yet is why I preach on it. I, I had a professor once who basically said that sooner or later, if you preach too much about the Trinity, you will probably at one point make a very bad analogy 
and try to explain it too much, and the preacher will end up bordering on heresy by trying to put into simple words something that just defies our reason. So I'm going to try very hard not to be heretical today. Over the centuries, wars were fought and people were killed and murdered over their interpretation of the Trinity. It was St. Augustine who basically said, if you can fully grasp it, it's not God. God is so unreasonable. It's true. We cannot ever completely grasp the complex nature of God because we are not and never will be God. Jesus says today in, uh, to his disciples that there is so much more to tell them, but they're just not ready yet, and they are just going to have to trust him and have faith. But we can use and we must use scripture doctrine, which is our tradition, to live reasonable and faithful lives dedicated to the worship of God as the creator who reaches humanity through Christ with the power of the Holy Spirit. So again, why celebrate it? Because we have to understand the nature of Jesus. Everything we believe and do centers on the divinity of Jesus. Jesus is not just a nice guy who fights for justice. Jesus is not just a teacher. Jesus is all of those things, but Jesus shares in the divinity. Without the divinity of Jesus, there is no Christianity. Jesus is defined by the equal divinity, divinity of the Trinity. And as we approach what is often called in our liturgical calendar, ordinary time, as we begin the summer, starting uh, this week, and as many of us leave for vacations and summer breaks, when the church season feels like it's winding down until the fall, let us not forget the divinity to whom we belong. Jesus, today in John and in the past few weeks, has been teaching the disciples about his unity and his oneness with God. He's been talking about his divinity. So things actually aren't winding down for the summer. They're actually just beginning. We're just getting started. Have you ever felt weird at a party, like, like maybe you were invited by your best friend, but your best friend is with their spouse or their partner, and they invite you to get you out of the house, and you're the third wheel? It's awkward. It's, it's a funny expression because something with three wheels in general is not complete. It's either missing a wheel or there's one wheel too many. Now, although the Trinity is perfect unity... It is a little bit incomplete. See, now here I go. I'm reiterating a very bad metaphor that I heard somewhere, and I told you it would happen, that I might spiral inadvertently into heresy. But the three, although perfect, requires a fourth wheel, and that is us. That is us. Now, we are not equal with God. 
Let's get that straight. We are not equal with the other three. We are not divine. But we somehow complete the relationship. In my pre-organized religion days, I was once someone who said, well, why can't we just pray to God and worship God? Why do we need Jesus? Why do we need the Holy Spirit? God is just God. God is all things good. God is a rejection of evil and doing bad things. God is in the very fabric of our nature. Some of our country's founding fathers and writers like Thomas Paine were of this mind as well, not really believing, actually, in the divinity of Jesus. It was Thomas Jefferson who saw the trinity of three in one as problematic, and he called it the incomprehensible jargon of the Trinitarian arithmetic. He, along with others, have been called deists. And deists believed that human reason alone, human reason alone was God's divine revelation to all humans and that nature teaches us everything. Well, I went to a deism website to see what was out there on the subject now. And the website said, quote, instead of having billions of people chasing after the nonsensical violence-promoting myths of the revealed religions, meaning Christianity, Judaism, and Islam, people will be centered on their God-given reason, which will lead to limitless personal and societal progress. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't always trust my reason. And I'm happy not to always have to trust my reason. It's a relief actually, because I like it that God is unreasonable. To me, an unreasonable God gives me the hope and the courage to go beyond what I may contrive in my mind to a deeper faith that God's unreasonableness will mean the unexpected, the change that is needed, and it will guide me forward toward love and a joy that I would have never conjured up on my own. Our reason is not so powerful that we can make sense of everything all at once. The problem of thinking that we can is that when we, our reason fails, which it will, then we have nowhere to turn. Who do we turn to? if we only believe in ourselves. We need the belief in the mystery. And that's faith. That's faith. We need the God as three because God, the Father or Creator, reveals transcendence. God, the Son, reveals God walking with humanity. And God, the Holy Spirit, inspires us beyond our own reason and our fear. Now, if you look on the front of your bulletin today, there is a famous icon. And it's said to represent the Trinity. The original is by Andrei Rublev, and it, this uh, icon was written around the 15th century. And we actually have a copy of this icon in the chapel over by the candles 
So take a look at it on your way out today. Many believe that the central figure of this icon is Jesus with his hand outstretched over the cup. And you have God the Father or the Creator as on the left and Christ in the middle. And you have the Holy Spirit on the right. And you can see that they are sitting around a table. A table that has room for another chair. So what we see in this icon with this extra room at the table is an invitation to come to the table for humanity to join the family of God. So the Trinity is an invitation for us to become the fourth wheel. We are being drawn into the family of God drawn by the Spirit, as we hear in Paul's letter to the Romans today, God's love is being poured into our hearts. Now, this invitation to the table to be in relationship, it's open-ended. It's always there. Paul says that since we are justified by faith, we have peace and we have access to grace by this faith. This is the Trinitarian invitation, access to peace and grace by faith. This is how we are made right, how we are made whole, how we are, what uh, Paul says, is justified. We strengthen our faith by taking a seat at the table, by returning again and again to be in relationship, adopted into this family. Everything unravels without the Trinity. Christmas and the Incarnation, Easter and the Resurrection. The whole of Christianity makes sense only when we view it from a Trinitarian perspective. God created the world, establishing it with order and form. God redeemed the world in Jesus Christ. God is present in the world by way of the Holy Spirit here and now, guiding and encouraging. Now, in many ways, the Trinity makes perfect sense and no sense at all, both at the same time. The Trinity, although it is perfect unity, as I have said, and, and could remain perfect without humanity at all, without us being the fourth wheels, still invites us to complete the picture. That's how much we are wanted. That is how much each and every one of us is loved. The Trinity invites us to stay connected through the ordinary times when we feel a lack or an emptiness when we feel disconnected from a loved one or from a community or from our own church, from a job or whatever it is, remember this uh, picture, this icon. Remember to come back to the table. Come back home to your family. Come to the table hungry. When we're hungry, we're more apt to forage for food, aren't we? Come to the table, and your faith will become stronger. Come to the table, and the mystery will be more and more revealed in your heart. 
Jesus says to his disciples that there is so much more to tell them, but they are not ready. The spirit of truth will guide them as they go off into the world to change lives, to change the world. Something that I'm sure would not have seemed reasonable to the disciples at the time. But look what they did. The icon tells us to join the family at the table and let others know that they are welcome there, too. This open invitation is the sequel to the Trinity movie. This is the sequel that needs to be written starting today, going forward. So we celebrate the Trinity because we celebrate humanity. We are all welcome at this table to feast with the family, loved, redeemed, sustained, inspired, to go change the world. It is as simple as that. Amen.